The following podcast is brought to you by Babe Media. I'm Emma Clark. And I'm Kelsey Burdett. You know those people you follow that just seem to get it? They have the Instagram content that you actually watch. They own the brands that you just can't stop buying from. And they tell the stories you actually remember. The kinds of people that leave you wondering, how do they do that? Well, we follow them too. And we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it. Hi, everybody. On this week's episode, we got to sit down with Cole and Alan, who are the co-founders of a company called Acid League. If you don't know them yet, you're bound to learn about them today and you'll start seeing them everywhere. I know that's been the case for me. So if you're unfamiliar, Acid League makes flavor tripping vinegars, drinks, sauces, and condiments to energize your cooking. And so it was actually interesting. Um, Emma and I had this bright idea that we were going to launch a non-alcoholic cocktail company and we were looking up competitors and Acid League kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And even though they're not just a non-alcoholic beverage company, that is a testament to how pervasive their products are. Very few people would probably think, you know, vinegar and a lot of like really experimental flavors, and they probably wouldn't make the connection between the non-alcoholic beverage industry. But trust me, they deserve a spot there. And this was just a really fun conversation. As a reminder, now we're doing a new audio structure where we're doing three mini episodes. So in this one, you'll hear all about um, the founders and a little bit more about them individually. You'll hear about their product development strategy, which is insane, just the volume that they're putting out each and every week. I don't know how they keep up with it, but really, really cool stuff. And then stay tuned because later this week, you'll hear two more episodes from Cole and Alan, and we'll get to get a little bit deeper in the Acid League story. So with that, welcome Cole and Alan to They Get It. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited as well. Before we jump into the business chat, though, as we were talking about, we like to do some icebreaker stuff. So we pulled a we're not really strangers question for today. And it's a pretty simple one. It's just what the, what's the best thing that happened to you in the past week? And whoever has an answer first can go. <laughs> little gratitude exercise to kick our conversation off. Um, last night, I was able to go to my business partner's house and have an amazing sauna session where I uh, really kicked it up and just exfoliated my soul and um, just cycles of cold, cold uh, showering and then back into the sauna and I felt like a new human being. So I'd say that that was probably um, the best thing that's happened to me this week. I need that in my life. Was it an infrared <laughs> sauna? Um, it was, it was dry sauna like a stone okay. like you like you uh, cook your own like put the wood in and light it up and yeah i don't want to follow that i can't beat that <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing though i'm so happy for you I'm living vicariously through you yeah and no, i was gonna say cole cole probably should have ended because he, he is the more reflective one out of the, the both of us but <laughs> um but i did have a really good week so i, I you know my partner and i 
got a puppy like early this year and it's been a journey to say the least um lots up and lots ups and downs like you know if, if, if starting a business wasn't enough ups and downs yeah uh, no kidding you're a sucker for punishment <laughs> <laughs> and he's a collie too so he's got so much energy Aww. but yesterday evening was the first time he was able to go off leash like successfully we would call it in like a you know in, in like a big park with like other dogs huge trail and just roam free and he was just super happy and like responsive enough that like we, <laughs> we didn't have to worry about it so it was huge huge milestone for us like that's that, you know everyone dreams obviously when they get a puppy of that moment so. yeah well, because it's it's a big milestone for the pup, of course, but it also means that every step that the dog takes, you don't need to be right there taking that step with them. You can just let them go and get all the exercise. It was huge. Yeah, love that. That's awesome. Big sh- big shout out, by the way. Alan's getting hitched next week. I think also, that's like yeah. something that's significant. If you asked him two weeks from now, if we scheduled it two weeks from now. That would have probably been the big one, but um, for now, yeah, it's the puppy. Oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, congrats. Coming up. Super exciting. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, it's been a very not sexy week for Kelsey and I. We've been moving out of our condo and moving it just never fun. I've done it four times in four years and it still sucks. Um, but the good thing is it's almost done. As of tomorrow, the move will be done. So I think the best thing that's happened to me this week is just been making progress on this move and not having it hanging over my head anymore. Yeah, really excited for that one. Um, I'd say the move is probably up there for me too. If I had to pick a different one, because I don't want to just say the exact same thing, I would say I had a really good weekend. I had a bunch of friends come in from out of town and I haven't seen them in a really long time. And under normal circumstances, it would have been whatever. But with this last year and how antisocial it's been, it was just so nice to get back into the swing of things, even if it was only for two days. So definitely a highlight. That's for sure. Love it. Okay, now some quick hit questions before we get into the good stuff. First one, what is the last book that you read? Um, I'm almost done. Does that account? Yep. Uh, I'm reading um, Transformational Leadership by Randy Dobbs. He's, uh, oh, I see some nods. Yeah. Right on. I haven't read it. I haven't read it, but I've heard really good things about him. It's unbelievably inspiring. It's just the amount of adversity to be able to overcome and Eventually, it leads into a life of a CEO of many companies and turns them around and very inspiring. That's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm not embarrassed about it. I think I was embarrassed about it maybe five years ago, but I I never finish books, to be honest with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I start one and it's like, oh, this is great. I get distracted and then I never really pick it up again. Mm. Um, (laughs) I can't. I can't tell you the last one I remember actually finishing. Um, but yeah, I, my, my latest one is also super aggressive. I'm trying to read Dune ahead of Dune coming out. You know, I've, everyone's everyone's been talking about this being like a super, super, you know, iconic fantasy for forever. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not give it a try? Already, like <laughs> three pages in, it's oh super gosh. challenging. <laughs> You're trying. <laughs> You made it further than I did. That's for sure. (laughs) Love it. Okay, okay, next up. Oh, this is just for us, ladies. You're not. Okay. 
Yeah, these ones are just for you. <laughs> Sorry. They don't want to hear from us every week on that. Uh, but, uh, fair, fair. <laughs> okay, what is a brand other than your own that you're loving right now? Yeah, I'd say I'm really loving Omsom. Or does it have to be Canadian? No. Mm-hmm. Omsom's really killing it right now for me. I think, I mean, my being Vietnamese is like maybe a little bit of a bias, maybe. I mean, it's two Vietnamese women, it, you know, they're around my age. Um, identify very much with them hmm. being raised from, you know, you know, a lot of Vietnamese people kind of came over under this, you know, very similar circumstances. So to see them go into food, you know, to see storytelling that is that rich specifically about being Asian American today, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. more complex than I think a lot of people give the credit for, but I root for them because you know, it's it's storytelling around that community and culture. And I think, yeah, it's definitely for, you know, Asian Americans, but I think it's for everybody. I think everyone's super interested. And I think bringing maybe less known foods, but also really popular foods from different Asian cultures is like, um, it's just super meaningful. I think it's being, it's been done in a really cheap way. And I don't mean cheap only with the foodstuffs, but like, I mean, cheap as in you slap an Asian looking label on it uh, and put yeah. it in, you know, and put it in like a, so like that, you know, and it, it, it's not done with as much thought as, as they put into it. Um, mm-hmm. So huge fans of them. How do I spell that? Is it O-M-S-O-N? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's we'll one. link it in the show notes too, so people can check it out. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, I'm less, uh, culturally diverse in this answer. Um, but I did just get back from Atlanta two weeks ago and I tried Olipop for the first time. And so uh, yes, yeah, so the mouthfeel to me, I ranted to Alan about it. Like Alan and I dabble in all things food and given our background, I think we talk about it on a little bit more of a technical level than many other people sure. do. But because it's a prebiotic drink, they add soluble fiber into it. And it's just like a really, I'm not a drinker, so like alcohol, so I try to find yeah. other other ways to be able to consume like cool bev and uh, the strawberry vanilla flavor like just totally knocked me out. So I uh, would say I'm a fan of theirs right now. Yes, hundred percent. It is so Not good. Only- it's the only pop I'll pay. Like what is it like? At least at Summer Hill Market in Toronto, it's like probably three dollars a can. I'm like I don't even care. It's so good. Business <laughs> trip. I put it on the card. Put it on there the you go. Card. Yeah, literally <laughs> expensive. Honestly, Olipop is amazing. Like the flavors are really good. I haven't had a single one that I don't like. But the other thing is they're just a killer D2C brand. Like they understand customer experience like nobody else. And yeah, that's just such a good answer on so many levels. Ha, Al. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to link out to both of those in the show notes. Okay, this is this is maybe my favorite question that I get to ask every guest. What's something you just don't understand? Uh, I think that like, if you don't mind making it more personal, like do it. Some, sometimes I don't understand like the way that I, I act. <laughs> like, huh. I lost two, two sets of car keys last week. And it's like, how do you run a company and like lose car keys like twice in one week? It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. So I, I need to like, un- I need to understand that element of myself a little bit better than I do. 
That's a good one. Honestly, Cole, you're, that's on, you're a guy after my own heart. I locked my keys in the trunk of my own car and it locked <laughs> somehow. And I lost my keys and Emma knows it was a very panicked moment. So I, I get it. I like to believe though, that as like an entrepreneur running companies, there's just too many things on your brain. You've got too many bigger fish to fry keys. You know, you're going to get in somehow, not the end of the world. <laughs> you know, that's the best. I got Alan. Like, you know, just the same way that you got Emma. Like, yeah. Got this, this in crime. It's true. There always is one that's maybe a little more type A <laughs> in the pair. <laughs> Not me. We balance each other out. <laughs> All right, Alan, you're up. Hmm. I don't really have a super pointed. I mean, it's hard to be more specific than that. But um, I think what I don't, I don't yet truly understand is actually more to do with, um, It's actually more to do with with us, candidly speaking. You know what acidly will be um, in the long run. I mean, I have I have ideas, of course. We have mm-hmm. a vision. We have a clear vision, but I think because of the way the world is at the moment, for various reasons, maybe it's like a really uh, like kind of like a cop out answer. Um, but ultimately, you know, we've been hit with so many. We've been hit with so many disappointments, supply chain wise, not just packaging, but you know, which, are, which I'm sure a lot of DCC brands get hit with. Yeah. But the food stuff, like we make a lot of different types of foods and we have like a really high standard for what that needs to be when it goes out to people. And I think having to pivot on so many projects or kill projects that you're really passionate about is like really difficult, but it also affects the long-term vision, right? Long-term vision was, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll speak a little bit about, I guess, the background of our, our, our business, but the, the original vision, which thankfully actually was, I would say, executed on was, you know, when we started out making super differentiated, really high quality vinegar, yeah. the vision was that everything, really, if you think about the center of the store, everything needs vinegar to be stable at room temperature. And everyone's using just white distilled vinegar. And so the original vision was that if we could make super, super high quality vinegar that, you know, of, of all these different flavors and understand that, we could actually go into other categories and create super differentiated flavors that are actually material. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, I think, marketing that goes around and it's, it, it is different in a lot of ways that are meaningful. But I think for us, because flavor is so important. To, to, to actually make, you know, ketchup or something like that that actually tastes different is mm. something that we always wanted to do. And that's one example of it going well, but there are other examples that, you know, maybe something had to be killed and it's like, oh, well, now we can't really branch out the way that we thought we'd branch out. So it's always mm. this game, I think, where, like, thankfully, because we are who we are, and we get to play across a lot of other categories. We're a little bit more flexible, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, do I do you know? Do I truly understand what will be five years from now? Um, no, for that reason, um, it's just really, really tough right now to like secure anything. <laughs> yeah, last couple of months, last year and a half has been that way for almost every founder we've spoken with. They can empathize one hundred percent. So I want to go back to those initial conversations. 
I haven't actually heard anyone get that jazzed about vinegar before. And so I want to go back to with the impetus for this business. How did you guys decide that that was going to be the building block to build this entire company around? Yeah, I think, I mean, I spoke about it a little bit. There's definitely, if you want to talk about like manufacturing strategy, yeah, like, like baked into the overall kind of portfolio growth strategy. Yeah, that's hundred percent. If you can, you know, if you can master vinegar making and, and start making mango jalapeno vinegar for mango jalapeno hot sauce, for example, that's not actually a product that we have, but it's yeah. just illustrative of not like, not yet, exactly. It's just <laughs> illustrative of, and you know, even even for it goes across, you know, not just sauces, but it, you know, the proxies. If you want to talk about non-alcoholic wine. The ability to create a one-off not you know we don't have to go to anyone to create a one-off you know rose vinegar for example to make like mm. a strawberry a strawberry rose kind of like cherry blossom inspired proxy we can do that and i said so i think it's i think strategically what we're making and the fact that we are making and the fact that we don't have to go out and like line up i mean we still have to do that right like we still have to go and find supplier like we're not growing we don't grow like uh, you know oranges, so we still have to go and do supply chain. But <laughs> the fact that we can, you know, that's our secret sauce as food scientists coming from the culinary world. You know, we understand food, we understand what tastes great and interesting, and you know, the food science part of it is like, well, how do we, how do we make it such that it can actually last for a long time? Because that's the real challenge. You go to a restaurant, you you know, and you have great food. But getting it into a bottle that you know two years later also tastes really really great—that's a different challenge, right? So I think, I think, you know, if you want to talk about how we look at innovation and how we look at introducing products, I think um, we like to look in spaces where there's a little bit of a cult following, or maybe there are signals that there might be a cult following soon that we think has has all the right elements and all the right kind of um, characteristics that might make it into like the more mainstream at one point. Um, and when we look at things like that, taking into everything into consideration, vinegar was a great jumping off point because vinegar is a thing. People have been using vinegar for forever, but mm -hmm. no one I think really thinks about vinegar. No one really is that mindful about vinegar. I don't think anyone is like super brand loyal to any one type of vinegar. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're talking about like high quality cooking vinegar, like maybe Allen's white vinegar. Everyone gets that. But for cleaning, a little different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for high yeah. quality like cooking, I don't think anyone really was paying attention. And I think because, you know, yeah. if I can brag about anything about Acid Lake, it's that we have so many like incredible cooks um, mm. on the team. And, just living your lives, it, it becomes super obvious. It, the minute you're even a little bit more mindful, it becomes super obvious what what kind of what kind of categories people are kind of just dispassionate about because there's nothing. Mm. And so that's kind of the spaces in which we look. And if you combine that with the fact that you know vinegar can kind of jump off and 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 go into all the other categories and actually differentiate. Yeah all of those categories endlessly then it's kind of a no-brainer right like mm -hmm. yeah completely my question is how do you maintain this level of experimentation 
<laughs> How does that work on an operational level? Yeah, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of people. We have, like I mentioned, great cooks on the team. We have. Yeah. I think of any food company, like you know, I've worked in big food before. Like our PD team is just way. It's it's like the biggest PD team for you know as a ratio of the size to company. Um, like we've got six, I believe, and even even oh wow, people that even you know aren't doing product development are are in the product development kind of function. Like even our project managers are you know food scientists. Like they're mm. they're so capable of understanding um, manufacturing processes, and they're so it's so efficient to have people manage projects when when we're expanding our manufacturing processes that understand Huge. yeah. Um, it's, it's this crazy kind of intersection food science, because what you have is what you often have at food companies is you have engineers that understand the equipment really, really well, but they might not understand the chemistry of food very, very well. Or you have, mm. you know, people that have cooked and they understand the chemistry of food really well, but they're not going to know with, you know, how, what to do with machines. And food science is this perfect intersection where you understand both enough that you can both innovate on the food chemistry side, knowing how you're going to make it at scale on, on the engineering front. And because we have a team full of food scientists, like even the people managing the projects, they'll catch everything efficiently. There's no back and forth and a ton of meetings. I mean, we still have a ton of meetings, but not about that. Um, it's inevitable. Yeah. Actually, the audience doesn't know this, but you guys have exceeded producing a new product every single week. That's insane. Like product yep. development for most brands is six months, eight months, 12 months. And you guys are doing it at such a velocity that you've got something new available, tested, you've formulated every single week. That's insane. Cole, can you go through like the process for people who have never done this before? What does the actual start to finish process look like for bringing a product into existence? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that there's two two states of mind. So there's the direct-to-consumer and then there's the retail point of view as well. I think very early on, we knew that the ability from a social point of view, product as marketing. You know, what if you not simply just put out new product once a week, but use that to illustrate the depth of the brand and how we have collaborators in the wine industry and the beer industry or um, an agriculture, like an organic farm or so on and so forth. So first we sort of key up what route are we trying to go? Is this a product that we're developing for the retail world, um, mm -hmm. the Whole Foods, or is it a product that's going to live online? And most of the time it huddles up with me, Alan, and our co-founder, Scott, and we'll just jam and just throw ideas. Scott's probably one of the most well, like has the most biggest ear to the ground I've ever met. He like can identify signals in the industry like any, anybody I've ever met in my life. And oh, wow. in a lot of ways, I think to sort of go to your point, like in big food, it takes so long to do product development because they're a little bit more prudent. Because we're so young, like young as a company, we have the ability to be very agile and sort of, mm -hmm. you have an idea, okay, let's make it happen. And you're not nervous to sort of be judged by what that minimum viable product was. And I think that took us a little while to get over, to understand that we can just put it out, see how people react. 
And that's worked tremendously well for us because to answer your question more explicitly, you have a massive market online. When you bring something to retail worlds, it takes months and months and months to get feedback from your audience in the oh, store. Yeah. And by that point, it's too late. You've already launched the product. So what happens when you create a strategy that you launch niche products in many different product categories, understand how the consumer receives them, especially you know our unique audience, but you could find that unique audience in the Whole Foods, in Loblaw, like these are black label shoppers. And so being able to understand that feedback, then you plug it into the retail world. So you launch it from an innovation point of view, get crazy with your SKUs, and Alan will definitely be able to speak to it more. I, admittedly, uh, when Alan and I started the business, although we both come from a similar background, uh, Alan took PD. Alan, I could take a product to a seven out of ten. Alan will take it to mm -hmm. an eleven out of ten. Like He's I just, humble, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I handle it, the sales world, sales and ops. So, okay. um, it's really cool because I get to be a let's just say a high level figure in like the guidance of it. But I'm like, okay, Alan, like you and your team figure it out, put it into a bottle, and like let's get it out into the world. And then it becomes my job to be able to get it into more larger retailer hands. Um, and so that innovation pipeline all starts with just an idea. What is um, something that we want to tackle right now? So it was midsummer, and Alan and his team, shout out to Loretta, uh, created the Better Barbecue Kit. So like, what does a barbecue kit look like that has more differentiated flavor profiles? How could you bring this mm -hmm. to a cottage and still have that same experience but instead of going and gravitating towards like Heinz ketchup and French's mustard, you have a gochujang mole ketchup, you know, something with like earthy notes, a little bit of chocolate. Um, but then you still have that like functionality that you would have with chocolate. Or um, we had a maple harissa mustard. So these ideas, you like launch these products and you're like, okay, how do people take to them? Do they sell out in one day? Do they sell out in yeah. two weeks? What's the customer feedback? And then all of a sudden you have a product that sells out in a day and you're like okay i think we have something here and then you take it to the retail can we scale this can we yeah. invest in the infrastructure that we're going to need to be able to pack it the supply chain is it there is it robust enough to be able to have margins on this product and then you start building that building that up building up and then all of a sudden you have a line that you're able to present on a retail level so mm -hmm. i hope that answers like i know you're talking about innovation in the pipeline but i hope that sort of gives you an answer oh yeah Oh, because you need the full thing. It's not enough just to like talk about the brainstorming session. There's so much that comes after that. So that's really interesting. I'm curious, like just at the speed at which you guys bring it to market, are you constantly working on 10 to 20 new products at any given time? What more does that, that look like? More than more, that. More, more than more, that. More than that. Yeah. Say Easily. more. I want to hear about this. Okay. Oh, well, sorry, Alan. <laughs> no, I, I mean, of course, we. you know, not not every product makes it. You know, sometimes yeah. things go wrong. I've alluded to that a little bit. You know, sometimes it's not in your control. Sometimes it's just, it's an idea that was really, really ambitious. And, you know, the world just isn't, uh, when I say the world isn't ready, it's just, I'm not talking about consumers. I'm <laughs> saying like the tech, like the, the food science technology, even in like, you know, the food science technology isn't, isn't quite ready. Like we're, we're, a lot of projects are on hold for that reason. But anyway, we, oh, really? It's a really, um, what I would say is like, we hold a really, really tight schedule. Um, like there's a lot of room to be like creative and fail. 
but that's like built in to the, the schedule. But yeah, mm-hmm. like the product developers, anyone working in product development is having to be super creative, is having to try pretty crazy things all the time. And yeah, I mean, I think we've built up enough of at least the back end of product development that yes, although we're super agile, we do have, it's not like we're just randomly doing things like, <laughs> you know, like we, you know, we have stage gates and everything for each project. And at one point, you know, it just feeds the pipeline and um, we try to be as, as purposeful about it as possible, but we do have high standards. I think another, another brand that I could have answered and in your like who just gets it section mm-hmm. uh, would be Aesop. It was a brand that we looked to for inspiration for a few reasons when we started this business. Um, we won't even touch the design side, but when it comes to just the actual stuff, right? Like the good stuff, we looked to we looked to Aesop because I'll always remember going into wherever whatever Aesop store. I don't remember where it was, but and you know you get to wash your hands there. And it was, it was, it was, it's like simple looking back, but the fact that their hand soap has like exfoliant in it just created a different experience. And I think that's what we're after is we want our food to create a memorable experience, something so, you know, something so memorable that you have to come back to get it because you can't get it anywhere else. It's just not, you know, what would be the point of putting out, you know, another, whatever, like another something that exists already. Mm-hmm. So we really want, we really strive to create things that are truly different. So, yeah. And to add on to Alan, sorry to interrupt. I'm, a, um, Wait, I'm done. <laughs> no, I, I would say that like, when you have a team, like our team is everything. And Alan and I are fortunate, like we've been able to recruit like our closest friends. Like we get to work with the people we love every single day awesome. and, and they're in it. And they're passionate about supporting that dream. So, like, as crazy as it can be, they are acidly consumers. And so, like, they want to create a product that they would want to consume mm-hmm. themselves. And I think that, like, because of that, it's actually worked so much to our advantage that no matter what's going on, they realize, like, what the end goal is. Oh, my gosh. And that just sounds like fun, getting to work with totally. your closest friends. That's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. it's actually funny that you mentioned Aesop because that's how this whole podcast started I was at the Eaton Center and I'd gone into Aesop and I came home to Kelsey and I was just describing their customer experience to her I was like they hit every single mark like it was incredible and then you go into their e-com and it's a great experience there too I was like they just get it and then we were like wait a minute (laughs) <laughs> <Do we start laughs> podcast talking about people who do the same thing so yes i totally get what you mean with asot we could keep talking on this topic forever but we're already over time with our new segment style so let's wrap this episode here and we'll come back for part two where we dive into a little more of trends in the space cue fade out music <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. That was part one of our three-part conversation with Alan and Cole from Acid League. Tune in later this week to hear all about the non-alcoholic beverage industry, which is just on fire lately and will continue to be into the next couple of years. And if you learned anything from this episode, we would love a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It means so much to us. And with that, we'll see you in just a couple of days.